Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I am your host, Daniel Greer. Today on the episode, we're going to recap what happened in Game 4. There's a lot of fallout that came from that game, and today, it's a solo show. It's just me. It's a midweek. It's hard to get everybody together, but we had to bring you some quick content about what in the world happened in that game last night. Let's go ahead and get into it real quick. The Golden State Warriors, 101, your Memphis Grizzlies, 98. That was a ugly, ugly game. The game was unwatchable in the first half. In the second half, it got much better. But still, the third quarter was the highest scoring quarter at that moment The Grizzlies put up 28 and the Warriors 24. That was more like a little bit of Grizzlies basketball, not as much Warriors basketball. They were still having their issues and getting going. And then the fourth quarter came. The Grizzlies put up 29 points, but they allowed the Warriors to score 39 points. And we're going to get into why I think what happened in that game. Like what exactly was the reason? And is any one person to blame? I, no, I, I don't believe so. It, it's a it's a team effort. And so I know we're all going off about Dylan Brooks, and, and rightfully so. I don't want to just pile on the guy. He's, he's a human in the end of the day, right? I, I don't want to just completely put everything on that game on Dylan Brooks. I also don't want to just throw it all on Taylor Jenkins. But those two have to answer the bell today. I am one of the biggest guys on Taylor Jenkins. I am so high on him for the fact that he understands this team. He tries things that maybe some people wouldn't try, but he also does a lot of boneheaded things, such as not using challenges. Some of the rotations he runs out there, playing some people compared to not playing some people. So we're going to dig in a little bit today on a very short podcast midweek in between games four and games five to which the Grizzlies are coming back to the grindhouse on Wednesday. So make sure if you don't have your tickets, get into the grindhouse. The Grizzlies, if they want to think they have any slim chance at all, they have to win game five. And if you win game five, at that point, it's 3-2. You then have to go on the road and grab a game to which you should have won game four. You potentially could get back John Morant. I don't know if he would come back. I don't know if it would be even smart if he was to come back. But they would have a fighting chance of knowing that if they grabbed game six, they're coming back home at home with a chance to win the series. So really, if they take care of business game five, which they absolutely can, like, they're not completely out of this, no, ma- no matter how crazy that sounds. Those dudes played much better than anyone except for Grizzlies Nation and myself 
anyone outside of Grizzlies, Twitter, Grizzlies Nation, any Grizz fan, they completely, completely showed out in front of all those people and proved a lot of people wrong. The game was a 10.5 point spread and had no reason to be a 10.5 point spread. And because of that, I knew the Grizzlies had a chance. If they were getting doubted that big, those Grizzlies had a chance. And yes, did the Warriors play bad? Yeah. Did the Grizzlies make them play bad because of the defensive end? They were flying around and they were very active with deflections and all in the passing lane? Yes. Both can be true. So yes, the Warriors will shoot better, I would imagine. But the Grizzlies, that's their defense, especially when John Morant is not on the floor. That is their style of defense. It's not because John Morant is just that terrible of a defender. I think something clicks. Like, we have to all step up accordingly. And they did this season. They went 25 during the regular season without Ja. So, yes, you see why you need John Morant on your team. Because on the offensive end, he is completely and out of this world the best player on the court majority of the nights. Anytime you're coming into a game, if you know you have the best player on the court, you got a fighting chance. So that's what we always have with Ja. But the rest of this team, the team that the Grizzlies front office put together, the guys that kind of stepped up during the offseason to get themselves better, the guys that stepped up throughout the season to get themselves better, they showed out last night. And they showed why. Take any credit away from them would be wrong. Jaron Jackson Jr. played a great game. Tyus Jones played a great game. Kyle Anderson played a great game. Steven Adams played a great game. A lot of those guys, they should be pat on the back because they came up and and showed up in a game that they had no business trying to win. And that's what anybody outside of Vegas, anybody else, everybody will tell you that they should not have won that game. And they were so close. They were 45 seconds away from stealing the game there in San Francisco. Okay, before we get into the nuts and the bolts of the game and the numbers, I want to give a shout out to two different people. One, and the first one, was very awesome for me personally, and that was from Bluff City T. So if you have a chance, go follow Bluff City T at Bluff City T. It's very simple, just spelled out the way the name actually is. But go follow them on Twitter. Uh, They helped me out with uh, needing a Desmond Bain shirt for my wife for Mother's Day. And the team over there could not have been any better. I was contacting them, just trying to reach out. Hey, this is last minute. I need one more gift. And this is a very honest story. And no, they're not paying me for any advertising. This is just me saying thank you. And it was pretty much because they helped me out and they didn't have to. And so go check them out and support them. They also support a good cause and they're able to give back. So with each purchase, they're actually able to give back into the community. And so go ahead and give them a follow on Twitter, but go buy some of that that Grizzlies merch. Uh, They're doing good things over there and the merch looks good as well. And so let's support our local friends. Let's support the local shops uh, because they are a good one for me. All right, the other one we have is Bet the Lead. If you have a chance, go check out Bet the Lead. We've talked about it many a times, and that is at Bet the Lead. Uh, if any gambling that you might do, no matter what sport, uh, even if the Grizzlies are coming to an end, if you're a Braves fan, a Cardinals fan, or a baseball fan in general, 
Uh, there's a lot of good content over there for your baseball needs, as well as throughout the rest of the playoffs. So I head up a lot of what's going on behind the scenes. And so the guys are working very hard and trying to get everything heading the right direction and trying to put out good content. We've only been there since, I want to say November. So less than a year we've been together and we're starting to do a lot of really good things and getting noticed. And so if you love gambling and you love anything about it and just want to want to just honestly have a good community, we have a great Discord channel if you want to join that. So, all right, enough about all of that. Let's hop into what is the nuts and bolts of the game. And so we're going to hop over to the Warriors on the Warriors side first. Steph Curry, he ended up with 32 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists. 4 of 14 from deep. He did not shoot well for the majority of the game. He hit some big threes when they needed to in the fourth quarter. And that's really where the game flipped is he showed up even though he did have a flop, right? There was, it was a complete flop and late in the fourth quarter. And that's really what sealed the deal. And Taylor, what are you doing? Taylor, Coach Jenkins, please use your challenge. I want to say there was 45 seconds or 25 seconds left. You're not getting another chance to use that challenge. And at that point, if he actually gets the foul, he's going to make two free throws, and that seals the game. So Taylor Jenkins has to use his challenge. Don't go home without. I would rather you use them earlier in the game to take points off of the board if it's an and one opportunity and you can draw a foul on the other team on a charge call such as Andrew Wiggins. Let's go ahead and use that. Take the points off the board because at the end of the day, those three points, the Grizzlies lost by three points. Uh, but the rest of the team, nothing, honestly. Like Andrew Wiggins had 10 rebounds. Draymond Green had 11 rebounds. But nobody played well. The second best player on the floor for the Golden State Warriors was Andrew Wiggins. That's 17 points and 10 rebounds. And he was active. He was defending. He In the fourth quarter, he came up and was defending hard on Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones did an exceptional job keeping control of the ball, getting him on his hip, and getting him to where he could get that floater in the lane. And Tyus was a one of the best players on the court last night. He was in control of that offense majority of the night. Draymond Green really didn't do much. I know that he was battling with the death of a close friend, Adrian Payne, uh, who was shot and killed, I want to say, the night before. Uh, but still, he did not play well. Clay Thompson did not shoot well. 6 of 20, 0 of 7 from three-point line. Otto Porter, what is he? Like 4 of 6 from three. Otto Porter's never going to shoot that well again in his life. He's going to come to Memphis probably go 0 of 7 because he's going to be forcing stuff up. So, Otto Porter's having a, having a great series just in these last two games. Uh, but we might not hear from him again the rest of the playoffs, whether they advance or not. Uh, but let's hop into the Grizzlies side of things real quick. And I'm going to say Jaron Jackson Jr., yes, he did not have any assist. But at that point last night, he knew he had to be the guy. And because he was the guy, he had to score. And he had to be active. When the Grizzlies went into him, they knew that they had a chance to get him a mismatch and get to the front of the rim. And Jaron was absolutely exceptional at that. He went 0-7 from, from deep, okay? So he still took his shots. I, I don't want to have him taking anything less than six in a game because he's a good enough shooter that he should demand 
that many three-point shots, especially with, with how open he is majority of the time on those shots. As long as it's a step-in three, I love it. I'm always going to be a big fan of that shot. It's when he gets on the dribble, it's the step back, so he's trying to move over left and right. As long as he's catching the pass, no dribble, straight shooting, that's how Jaron Jackson Jr. can be really effective. But last night, it showed me that he knew that he had to be more aggressive, and he was. He was aggressive to the point where he was getting the ball, demanding the ball, and getting it and taking the guy one-on-one, backing him down to the paint and using those different hook shots, getting into the lane and going in the scoops. Also, the left-handed opposite hand shot, which is now really his go-to shot in the lane, it was, it was a thing that I was impressed with. It showed that he can be the number two to Jaw's num- to Jaw being the number one. Desmond Bain, he played okay. He really didn't do much of anything. He went two or four from deep, but he wasn't himself still. He wasn't able to create that, that space. And he's got to learn how to do that. And I don't know how he's going to figure that out in the offseason by making sure he can work on his step back a little bit more, coming off of screens, doing better cuts, but he has to learn how to get open. He was dishing the ball with six assists and eight points. So the points weren't there. The assists were. He was very efficient, three of eight overall, two of four. But in the end, you have to have a 20-point game out of either Dylan or Bain or both to have a chance to really win that game. But who stepped up? I want to start with Steven Adams. Was a plus 13. 10 points, 15 rebounds, 3 assists. He played very well. He only played 27 minutes. I'll have that gripe later as we'll get into the game and my issues with what happened. But Steven Adams was very effective. He had more screen assists than he had assists. He was boxing people out, setting up for the post when they had to either stay on Steven Adams, who would, if he got the ball, he was getting an easy dunk, or do you try to go defend the guy who's driving to the lane? A lot of times, Steven kept him on his back and allowed them to go for an easy layup. And the one guy who was uh, big with that was Tyus Jones. He had 19 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 of 7 from deep. He played very well. He played in control, as I said before. And this is one of the games that um, he'll look back and say the opportunity was big for him. He's coming up in, into needing a contract this next offseason. And I hope... I hope with the, the the rising salary cap, I hope the Grizzlies are allowed and able to get him back. I don't know what that looks like, but it shows that Tyus is more important than a lot of these other people that are on the team. Some games, you don't have to have him. You don't need him. But there's a lot of games, that Minnesota series that you needed him, but you need a veteran point guard. That is behind Jaw, especially as he's getting older. And if he feels comfortable being a backup point guard to Jaw Morant, and he loves being a part of this team, and he doesn't feel like he needs to go out and be the guy, be the starting point guard on a team, then he's going to have a really long career, and he could have a long career here in Memphis, and I hope he does. I love Tyus as a guy. He played much better than he did in Game 3, and he was overall one of the better players on the court last night. Kyle Anderson, 17 points, 8 rebounds. I think he's still doing one of his moves. Is he? No? Yes. I think, yep, that's another. That's a second step and the shot. All right, so he's finally done with his moves. The guy is a sloth when it comes to drives in the lane, 
and I love it. I'm just going to tell you, I, I love when Kyle drives to the lane. The frustration, the frustration from the other players is comical. Like Jordan Poole last night was just, just getting taken advantage of the entire night. But Jordan Poole was just trying to guard Kyle Anderson. And Kyle Anderson is literally skipping. He's skipping through the lane while he's going as slow as possible. These are the longest, most slowest skips I've ever seen in my life. And I am grinning ear to ear as I'm, as I'm talking about it right now. But as I'm watching last night, I am grinning ear to ear about seeing Kyle Anderson do his long skips through the lane. And you can't help but think, what is happening as a defender? What is happening? And you get into his body because this, the ball is just literally still right in front of you like it's never moved, but we're a little bit closer to the goal. And it's the most glorious thing to watch. And I could not be happier for a guy who's uh, finally... Not that he's not been ever a good offensive player, but he's he's finally finding himself on the offensive end. He's always going to be a great defender, but he's finding himself. If he can knock down a three or two a game, he can be a very good, if not one of the best role players in a starting unit or a six or seven guy off the bench, as he already is for the Grizzlies. But he's just getting better, and somebody who you can go to to give you a, we'll say, change of pace. So that's enough about the good guys. Um, I want to say Zaire had you know 18 minutes, 7 points, 3 rebounds. He hit 1-3. He still played fine being, uh, what is he, 19-20. Uh, his first year in the league as a rookie, he's definitely outplayed any thoughts that I would ever have for him. Uh, but let's get into the players who uh, that I didn't understand why and what was going on. Brandon Clark. He just doesn't look like himself in this series, and I don't know what it is. Um, he, he was exceptional as the best player, but that's really what you get with Brandon Clark. Like He's sometimes the best player on the court and just shows up, shows out, but he has not in this series, but he was the guy we had to have. He was pretty much the MVP of that Minnesota Timberwolves series. D'Anthony Melton only getting nine minutes. You know, Brandon Clark before, 12 minutes, but D'Anthony uh, Melton, nine minutes. He went over. He had one rebound. I, I don't understand why he played nine minutes. Getting to the guy who played 39 minutes, who played the second most on the team behind Tyus Jones, and that's Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks had 12 points, five rebounds, and eight assists. Here's what I love. I love that Dylan was able to cause chaos enough on the offensive end to pass to the ball to the right people and get the assist. Taylor Jenkins said that he liked his uh, how active he was and what he was doing for the Grizzlies. I did not. I did not like what he was doing the entire game. And he was a plus up until Taylor put him in with 7 minutes and 55, um, 55 seconds into the fourth quarter. So, with all said and done, Dylan Brooks was a plus in a game where he played the second most minutes, 39, with 7 minutes, 55 seconds, he was a plus. I think he was a plus, I don't know, plus 8, plus 10 going into that uh, fourth quarter. 7 minutes and 55 seconds to go. And I haven't done the math, so I know you're going to tell me wrong because I've actually done the math in other areas. But he was able to come in the game, and I said 7.55, 8.32. 
He was coming into the game, and the Grizzlies were up. The Grizzlies were up seven points. Okay? 8.37 to go in the game, up seven. Dylan Brooks never came out of the game, and the Grizzlies scored 16 points, and the Warriors scored 29. That's a 13-point difference. And is it all Dylan Brooks? No. Is it his boneheaded plays down the stretch that really caused the game to get out of the reach for the Grizzlies? They should have lost by six, and they lost by three because of Dylan heaving one up as as the clock expired. But they were, he put him back in the game, eight minutes and 37 seconds, they were up seven, and they ended up losing by 13 points. I'm sorry, they lost by three, but they were, they had a difference of 13 points. That can't happen. And something else I want to give a gripe about. Steven Adams, he played a total of 27 minutes. He was a plus 13, your highest plus minus In the entire game, a plus 13. And when Dylan Brooks came in at 832, at 755, Stephen Adams went out of the game. Seven minutes and 55 seconds left in the game. Stephen Adams went out, and the Grizz were still up by six. The Warriors, at that point, they scored 25 points, and the Grizzlies still only scored the 16. That is what I look at. And when I look at Taylor Jenkins, I have never been critical of him. He is a young head coach. I'm actually six months or so older than Taylor Jenkins. So I'm speaking adult to adult here at this point. I love Taylor Jenkins. I would not want any other coach. I wouldn't. I think that he is the right coach for this team. Sure, you could say you want Pop or some other guys that that you love and that are good coaches. Yes, okay, and I understand that. But for an up-and-coming team, a guy that can grow with a team, someone who is going to get even better as a coach than he already is. He's already really being, he was the second-best coach, which I think he was the first, but I think he was voted the second-best coach in the league this year. He should have won the award, but he didn't. But at the end of the day, He does a really good job of getting guys to play and speaking with them. And it's not all about just in-game adjustments. He does a really good job of some, some he does not. We all agree that Taylor Jenkins has an issue with the challenge. Maybe that's something that you get even better at because the first year that he was here, it was atrocious. Or whatever the first time that we used it, it was atrocious. This year, it got much better. I think it probably doubled with how much he used the challenge. But still, that's been a big issue because he feels like he needs to hold on to it. It's almost like he's hoarding it because he knows if he lets it go, it's gone forever. So, I would really like to see him get more aggressive with that challenge. And if it burns you in the end, it burns you in the end. But going down with it helps you none. That does nothing to the game by not using it. But the fact that he's got to just really honestly say and look in the mirror and say, how much is a player hurting us on the offensive end compared to how much he thinks they're helping you on the defensive end? Dylan Brooks lost Steph Curry many times during that entire game. Dylan Brooks was not our best defender. Our entire team was a really good 
defensive team. Steven Adams should have been on the floor. He was creating space when we had no space. We have guys on the court that are not good at creating space. And Steven Adams is on the floor helping create space. And we took him out with 7 minutes and 55 seconds and put him back in in the last 10 or 15 seconds to try to get a rebound on a free throw. That can't happen. You have to go to the guys, especially the veteran. The veteran Steven Adams, you have to go back to him. He doesn't He doesn't really ex- exactly show what he does all the times, but if you look at the stats, he shows that the screen assist that he can help when he creates and gets the guys open. Can you throw it to him all the time? No, but if you throw it to him, you're sure that you're going to get a good pass out of it or go and get a good screen from him to create space. And that's what you had to have was space. You also had to have veteran leadership. People who knew what shots to take and what shots to not take. And that was the difference. And unfortunately, Dylan Brooks, he is the one of the more veteran-laden players on this team. And he let his ego, the fact that he has to just chuck it up and not try to create in different ways than a step back three with 50 some odd seconds to go in the game and you're up one. That can't happen. This team, in my opinion, and I've never been a Dylan Brooks guy. Never, ever. I'm not off of the boat. I'm not off of the island today. I've never been on the island. I've never been on the Dylan Brooks boat to get to the island. I've never been a guy who really loved Tony Allen early in his career. That's an honesty. That's from me. I never loved Tony Allen until later in his career when he learned to play within himself and not do all the boneheaded things. I really just turned and loved him. But I never would have said I was a Tony Allen guy because I'm not going to be the person who is a hypocrite and, and, and honestly hates on the guy and then ends up loving him like everybody else is. But in this fact, I've never really loved the player Dylan Brooks. I think he causes chaos, and I think he he does a lot of good things, but he also does a lot of boneheaded things. And so in the end of the day, I hope the Grizzlies end up moving on from him because that is really what this team needs to grow. I would love to have Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones on this team next year and not have Dylan Brooks. And a lot of people during the season – They were all high on Dylan Brooks and low on the other two. But I'm telling you, when it comes to crunch time, when you need somebody you can depend on, that's what I think of when I think of playoff basketball. People that you know what you're going to get out of them when the times are tough. And in playoff, times are tough. John Morant's out. He's gone. Like He is literally probably not coming back in this series. And because... If he does come back, honestly, I don't know why unless it's just a, a, a bruise to a knee and he could not get through it and nothing's going to hurt him. But at the end of the day, this is, going, this is an uphill battle. Maybe if you win game five and you go down you know, 3-2 and you're going back to the Chase Center and that gives a few more days for Ja to really rest, maybe then at that point, you bring back John Morant because you have a fighting chance. You're looking at it to the point where you feel like you could really make a difference and you could win 
in the Chase Center and come back home for Game 7. That is a chance that I would take. But not in Game 5. And it sucks. It sucks for everybody. It sucks for the fans. It sucks for the players. It sucks for the coaching staff. It sucks for the front office because you don't have one of the guys who brought you to the dance. And that's Ja. But I think that the Grizzlies have a fighting chance because I believe, I believe in this team. No matter how down I am and frustrated with Taylor Jenkins, I still believe in him as a player. I'm sorry, as a coach. I still believe that Dylan Brooks can be a good player. I, I really do. I'm saying that even though I am out on Dylan Brooks. I'm out on the currently constructed Dylan Brooks. The guy who gets lost on defense. The guy who makes dumb, stupid fouls. The guy who throws up boneheaded plays because he needs to keep shooting. That is the guy I'm out on. Like, it's not because of anything else. It's nothing personal. It's the fact that Dylan Brooks took 19 shots. He went 5 of 19, 2 of 9 from beyond 3. That is what I'm out on. Somebody who doesn't take the right shots at the right times. And if he doesn't take that last step back 3, I feel okay with him being in the game. But that, at that moment, was a backbreaker. And a lot of people are out on him. And it sucks for him. Because I know he plays hard. I know it. He's a good player. He's a human. I don't want to beat down on the human Dylan Brooks. I'm just beating down on the thought process and the gameplay. And that's really what I'm out on. Is the way he plays currently because I I don't believe you can be a good championship team and win with players that do those kind of things. You have to have consistency. So, at the end of the day, the Grizzlies have a chance to go back home and save face Wednesday at 8.30 on TNT where the, where the Golden State Warriors, they're favored by three. When Ja, Ja Morant, our best player, when Ja was on the court, the Golden State Warriors were favored by two and a half in Memphis. The line is just three. There's a lot of respect Vegas and everybody around the world has probably given to these Grizzlies as they are. They play exceptional, exceptional defense. That was one of the best defensive outings I've seen out of this Grizzlies team ever or in a long time. They were very active. When the ball showed itself, they took it from the other players. And you don't see that very often. And I love the aggressiveness that they showed. Are they going to be pissed off? Yes. Or did the Warriors think they they got one? Are they feeling good about themselves? Probably. And they shouldn't be. If it was me... I wouldn't be parading around the court like I just did something. I'm happy, but I'm disgusted. And that's the player, that's the mentality I have. I don't care. Yes, we won the game. I hate losing more than I love winning. So I would have loved to have won that. You're 3-1 and you feel like you have a chance to really just have a stranglehold on the series. But if it's me... I'm not parading around the court doing a lot of, you know, rah, rah, re cheering like uh, we're the best team in the world. We scored 101 points. We looked terrible. Yes, we did score 39 points in the quarter, in the fourth quarter to, to, to come up clutch. Yes, 100%. But it was more about the Grizzlies giving that game up than it was the Warriors stealing that game. And I will go on my deathbed believing that. No matter how many times I watched that, the Grizzlies gave it away instead of the Warriors winning. Does that make me a homer? 
Sure, call it what you want. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at it from a basketball side. I'm saying the Grizzlies are still a good team. I'm not saying they're a better team than the Warriors. I believe that. I believe John Morant is the best player on the floor, but we also don't have him. But I also believe that this team can win game five. And they put it in the mud once, and they'll put it in the mud again. And you're going to see Steven Adams play the way he played. You're going to see Tyus Jones play the way he played. You're going to see Kyle Anderson play the way he played. Those guys will play that way because they're veterans. They know who they are, and they stick to it. So when you surround them with some younger players that have a lot of firepower and Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., if those two guys go off and play well around these veterans who are going to give you what they give you, then you have a really good team. The Grizzlies are still a really good team, and they're going to show that Wednesday, and I believe that. I believe that we're going to go back to the Chase Center again on Friday. And if we don't, it will suck. And we're going to have to give our uh, one of our last episodes soon. And I'm not looking forward to it. I'm, I'm a little bitter about that. And I expected the Grizzlies to, to lose in the second round this year, no matter who they played. I just felt like this team wasn't really there yet. And last night showed they weren't there yet mentally. But also now losing Ja, uh, that, that hurts even more. Because I think that the Grizzlies would have won game four with Ja. Because game three, they sh- you know the Warriors shot 70%, you know, up, up to half. They ended up shooting 62%, I believe, uh, overall. So it was just a great shooting night from them. And they showed last night that they don't always do that. It's just the avalanche you got to watch out for. And that avalanche came in the fourth quarter and the Grizzlies folded. But... Enough about that. Enough with this episode. I've went off by myself. I hope you stuck around till the end. Uh, make sure you go check out the Leeds Podcast Network. Doing really good things. If you like WNBA basketball, they always have the show coming out Wednesday, as well as all the other NBA shows that are on there. Uh, mine is on uh, Mondays called Free Basketball. Uh, tearing it up as of late. Ryan and I and, and Cody a lot of times are tearing it up and doing a lot of good things. But, but Wednesday at the Grindhouse, 8.30 on TNT. The Grizzlies are going to show up again. They're going to show out, and they're going to win Game 5. We're going to go back to Chase Center with a chance. We're going to go back with a chance, being down 3-2 to possibly even up the series and show and prove a lot of people wrong all over again. A lot of people are out on the Grizzlies, but I guarantee those young guys with some sprinkled-in veterans are not out on themselves. We believe in the Grizzlies, believe in Taylor Jenkins, believe in this staff. A lot of good things happening bright future let's have a great week it's gonna be hump day when we play again be nice and tell your friends